Whether you drive a car, need a car, or just occasionally bum a ride with friends, you've come to the right place. Join the editors of Consumer Guide Automotive as they break down everything that's going on in the auto world. New car reviews. Shopping tips. Driving green. Electric cars. Classic cars. And plenty of great guests. This is the Consumer Guide Car Stuff Podcast. Here's your host, Tom Appel. All right, this is the Consumer Guide Car Stuff Podcast, and I am Tom Appel, publisher of Consumer Guide Automotive. Thanks for listening today. If you haven't done so, check us out at ConsumerGuide.com. If you are looking for a new car or truck, check out our best buys. They're handy if you're looking for something. If not, check out our blog, because that's where the magic happens, and we'll talk more about the blog later on in the day. Right now, I want to say hi to Damon Bell. Damon, how's it going? Not too bad. How are you doing? Good. Damon is the senior editor of ConsumerGuide.com. Damon, we've got all sorts of stuff to do today. We do. Uh, the L.A. Auto Show is going on right now. We're going to be talking to sometime co-host Jill Simonello about that in a couple of minutes. Uh, that'll be after the first break. And we're also going to be talking about the Ford Mach-E, which is making all sorts of news. That is Ford's new Mustang-named electric crossover. So that's a big deal, too. And then later on, uh, we've got a quiz question to answer. <laughs> and Damon's got a big question for us. So that's the stuff. But for uh, uh, Damon, let's talk about this Mach-E. Yeah, the, the Mustang Mach-E, it... Uh it was introduced uh, actually Sunday night at a separate event just in advance of the LA Auto Show. And it seems to be taking up the lion's share of the discussion, you know, uh, about this this whole week. Um, and it really centers around the, the controversial part is that Ford has, for the first time, elected to use the Mustang name on a vehicle that is... Uh, for one thing, f- a four-door crossover SUV, right. which Mustang has never, ever been. It's always been a two-door coupe or convertible um, hatchback and coupe uh, at, at some points, but always a two-door sports car, sporty car. So uh, applying the Mustang name to, for one thing, a crossover four-door SUV that is also a pure electric vehicle, no gasoline engine whatsoever, Um it has Mustang styling cues uh, for sure, the kind of triple segmented taillights. And if you park the new Mustang Mach-E next to a new Mustang, clearly uh, you can see the family resemblance. But nevertheless, uh, there's a vocal group of people that are upset that Ford has called this new vehicle a Mustang. They feel that's besmirching uh the heritage and the history of the Mustang name. So yeah, and that's a bizarre position to take because the Mustang. Understandable, I would say, I, but I, I'm not sure it is understandable. I can see a cranky old group of people who really love Mustangs being mad about this, but things evolve over time, and and the Mustang is still around. If you still want a Mustang, True. the car just called Mustang. Yes, it's still there. It's still there, and right. you, you can go buy that. And yeah. if you continue to buy that, it will remain there. Uh, but sales are lower than they were 20 years ago, and they were exactly. much lower than they were 40 years ago. Yeah. And there's another thing going on here, though, that I think is far more important. And I think the Mustang name was borrowed, not so much because Ford has any interest in expanding the Mustang line, but because electric cars are virtually unsellable. <laughs> and you have Tesla, right? Tesla mm-hmm. broke all the rules, and the people buying Teslas are not car fans. They're Tesla fans. They like tech. They like Tesla. They're anti-Detroit. And I think Tesla has showed Detroit up, and there's all that going on. But but electric cars that have launched since then, right? The Audi e-tron, 
the Jaguar I-Pass, I-Pace, I-Pace? Yeah, mm-hmm. can't give them away. Uh-huh. So Ford needs to do something different. Right. Calling it Mustang makes it something. It's high performance. It's fun. It talks about the styling. It has some sort of lineage with, with classic Ford performance. And this is sort of what Porsche is doing with the Taycan. Right, the conversation we're hearing about the Porsche Taycan, which is an all-electric vehicle, mm-hmm. uh, is, is is what it can do at, at Nurburgring. Right, its performance, performance. and it's, they've given it model names, which could seriously annoy some classic Porsche fans, like Turbo and Turbo S. Right. A turbo is a There's device no that has to have a <laughs> internal combustion engine to work. So yeah, you're you're playing fast and loose with the actual definition of what a turbo actually yeah. is. So, so. There, there there's early indication that the Taycan may be very popular, at least among Porsche fans. But it, it looks like I think that for most people, this Mach E, I think it's going to be a hit. It's high performance. It's relatively affordable. They're talking about what a base price around forty six thousand dollars. Yeah, it'll probably load up to seventy seventy five with. Oh, you everything. think it'll be that high? Yeah, because I the performance what is is sixty grand. Yeah. They're calling it first edition. Right. There is. Yeah. It, yeah. We should go through some of the the basic specs, and this is yeah. uh, fairly preliminary information, but. Um, the there there's there will be there will be both rear wheel drive and all wheel drive versions and regular and extended range uh, versions. So they'll give you a choice of, of battery uh, capacity, and the the base horsepower rating uh, is going to be 332 horsepower and 417 pound feet of torque. That's yeah. pretty impressive. It's going to be quick off the line. And uh, then there will be GT and GT Performance Edition models. And those were there, and these are estimated figures. But you know, they wouldn't have been this specific if they weren't pretty certain they were going to hit them. Uh, so, the GT and GT Performance Edition, uh, four hundred fifty-nine horsepower and six hundred and twelve pound-feet of torque, and that will translate to they're targeting zero to sixty times of under four seconds in the regular GT, and uh, the mid three-second range for the GT Performance Edition. Yeah. That's uh, and this is still I, I you know a five second zero to sixty time used to be kind of the benchmark for the something that was considered wow that's pretty fast and we're we're well beyond that now yeah um, everything everything is silly fast yeah everything is silly fast and it's funny because electric motors are becoming the great equalizer like fairly affordable things can now be very yeah, fast right and there's that instant on torque it's it's yeah. you know there there's no uh, transmission necessary. The the other the other obviously key component of this is driving range, and that's something that that all EV owners are concerned about. And you know we're we're seeing improvements there. Uh, you know steady improvements as each new model comes out. And Ford is going to be competitive with its Tesla rivals. Uh, they are targeting a driving range of at least 300 miles. That's with the extended range battery and rear-wheel drive. All-wheel drive, you know, in both an EV and a uh, gasoline engine vehicle is going to cost you some efficiency just because of the, you know, the weights and such of of the all-wheel drive components. So, 300-mile range is is, is yeah. respectable and, and really, uh, you know, would make it feasible for a pretty broad swath of buyers. Now, that is extended range and rear-wheel drive, there will be versions that uh, make less than, you know, can achieve less than that. But I think we're still looking at comfortably over 200 miles of driving range. Yeah, which... and I think I think that's a line in the sand for a lot of buyers. Mm-hmm. I think 200 is a magic line. 
All right, we will talk more about the Maki with Jill Simonella when we get her on the line. Uh, as usual, Damon, you are in a test vehicle this week. You want to tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so I am in the 2020 Mazda 3 hatchback with the premium package. Um, been a longtime fan of Mazdas in general and, and the Mazda 3 in particular. It's a you know mainstream compact car. Uh, but it's always had a very life kind of, you know, athletic feel to it um, while staying pretty practical as well. You know, something you can drive every day, but it's actually pretty fun to hustle along a curvy road. Yeah. Um, the Mazda 3, this this vehicle we've got in the office is a 2020. Uh, the, the Mazda 3 was redesigned uh, from the ground up for 2019, uh, all new version uh, debuted uh, there. Uh, we have a couple reviews of uh, 19 models on on our uh, blog site now. Um, and yeah, you and I have had the discussion. Ah, I am predisposed to love a new Mazda 3. Yeah, but I'm not crazy about this car. No, I don't. I don't love it either. And I think I think we don't love it for the same reasons. This is the first vehicle launched. Um, Entirely under Mazda's new premium car yeah. plan. Yeah, they're, they're really pushing uh, to position the brand and their vehicles as more upscale, kind of uh, entry luxury uh, almost. And I want to say that they were sort of there anyway, slightly. The pricing was always slightly more aggressive, not aggressive, but higher uh -huh. uh, than some of the competition. But but this vehicle, uh, okay, so they got the premium thing going on. They launched it. And if you look at it, if you drive it, if you sit in it, I guess it's a little bit more premium. The interior is very nice. It's quiet. The drivetrain is very smooth and refined. Mm -hmm. But the fun is gone. The steering is a little light and overboosted. Uh. The handling is not is not as responsive it's just it, yeah it's not the i think the the athleticism is still there it's just there's a there's a layer of luxury kind of slathered over it that sort of dulls it a yeah, little bit yeah there's a layer of premium in between a layer of premium <laughs> yes a thick layer of premium spread liberally uh, over the whole thing that somehow um yeah uh, sort of dulls some of that that uh, engagement uh and and beyond that there's just a lot of ergonomic things that annoy me. Um, the and, and you and I are both big and tall uh, gentlemen, so we're a high percentile that most people wouldn't have these problems. But the front door openings are pretty stingy. It's yeah. one of those things where you know I need to have the seat all the way back, so the seat back is well aft of the B pillar, you know, the rear door pillar when when I get in the vehicle. Uh, so it's kind of a chore. A little bit more of a chore getting in and out of this one than I remember previous generation versions being. Uh, the back seat, uh, compact cars are not particularly well known for having expansive back seats, but but there are plenty that do just fine. A Civic, um, we've got a, a Hyundai Elantra Limited uh, in the office this week as well. They have respectable back seats that yeah. uh, adults could could you know at least ride in for short trips. This the the Mazda three hatchback is just uh, my kids my my eight year old was complaining about how limited the the legroom was yeah uh, in his booster seat so that's you can't fit adults back back there I think there's a couple of interesting considerations that that, that Mazda operated under and one of them was that if you're looking for back seat back seat space now perhaps you move to a crossover 
So the cars, right? because Toyota seems to have made the same calculation with the Corolla, which is an excellent car, but the rear seat space is down from the previous edition. Yeah, at least, in the, especially in the yeah. hatchback model. Yeah. And, and I think the other consideration, the other calculation, and it, it might be a little bit cynical, I think that people who like driving are, are a dying breed. And I think people increasingly buy vehicles oh, to commute in. So. I know, I know. I hate to say it, and I hate to believe it, but if that's the case, this Mazda three may serve them better. It, it, it makes a very good impression when you sit in it. Yeah. It's roomy once you're in it. Uh, the interior is very nice. The audio system is very nice. The drivetrain is very polished. The prices are a little high, but it presents well. And if you're not really into driving, this might be a pretty good car for you. Huh. Yeah. I- I don't know. It's a bummer. Yeah. <laughs> and again, I, it, it's this is maybe maybe I'm idealizing the previous generation ones a little bit. It's just and it's still a great car. I don't know. I love the I love the last three. Yeah. I don't know. And, and, and on the good side, on the, on the plus side, the Corolla and the Civic are more fun to drive now. So you think so? Well, the Civic about as fun as ever. Uh huh. And I think the Corolla is just a oh, little bit more. Oh, the Corolla stepped up. It's for a little sure. bit more engaging. It's not saying too much over the previous <laughs> gen ones. How but could it not be yeah, more fun to drive? Yeah. <laughs> it's still. It, uh, I. I wouldn't. You know, despite all the the uh, the quibbles we have with it, I would not discourage anyone from test driving. No, no, it, it, it belongs it, it on your has, test drive list. And it has a look, uh, uh, you know, the, the Mazda has a very distinctive and yes, effectively kind of upscale styling uh, motif that they've kind of evolved to now. Um, and this new Mazda 3 is is in keeping with that very nicely. Um, we, we, we have had a sedan version. Uh, we had one through earlier this year. Um, that is probably a little more conventional than the hatchback in terms of at least rear visibility. That's another kind of ding on this hatchback is just these colossally yeah. thick rear roof pillars that make uh, rear visibility to the corners a little bit of an issue and also makes it feel like if you are small enough to fit in the back seat in the first place, it sort of feels like you're in a cave, I would presume, because I can't fit back there at all myself. <laughs> but, yeah, so, uh, yeah, still, uh, quibbles aside, it's it's... It's still a, a worthwhile vehicle to Worth, check out because and we forgot that it's also available now with all-wheel drive. That's true, which and this is a vehicle has deal. that, and that is very true. That's yeah, because not every uh, compact car offers that. All right, we will have we have a first spin of this vehicle up already. Also, Ricotta has driven this vehicle in the snow with all-wheel drive, so all that stuff's available on our blog. We'll yeah. talk more about this car at some point, and our review of this vehicle will probably be up in a couple of weeks. We're going to take a break now. When we get back, we're going to speak with Jill uh, Simonello. She is syndicated auto journalist Jill Simonello, and she is live. From the Los Angeles Auto Show. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Consumer Guide Car Stuff Podcast. All right, we're back. This is the Consumer Guide Car Stuff Podcast, and I am Tom Appel, publisher of Consumer Guide Automotive. Give me a follow on Twitter. I am car underscore guy underscore Tom on Twitter. I'd love to have some new followers. We're on the phone now with syndicated auto journalist Jill Simonello. Jill is live from the Los Angeles Auto Show. Jill has caught a cold and her feet hurt. Is that correct, Jill? <laughs> I think that's probably a pretty fair assessment. And I, I, I have a feeling that's a pretty fair assessment for every auto show. I catch a cold and my feet hurt. <laughs> you know, that is a thing. I, I want to say that that's a thing. That's officially a thing. If you go to an auto show as a journalist, your feet hurt, and you are probably going to get sick. Yes. Well, I, I have to say I wised up about uh, three or four years ago, and I stopped wearing high heels. 
at auto shows. So my feet still hurt, but they hurt a little less. <laughs> I stopped with the heels way before that. And you, you, you probably, was, you yeah. probably covered uh, uh, like how many miles and how many steps have you put on in the past uh, few days here? I'm sure it's a lot. Yeah, you know, I feel like it's usually about ten miles a day when I'm at an auto show. Yeah. Wow, <laughs> wow, that's crazy. So, Jill, what? what? Tell us about the auto show. What's what's the biggest buzz at this year's LA uh, Auto what? Show? I, I think you guys probably already covered a little bit of the biggest buzz, which was the the Ford Mach E yeah. that they um, revealed um, on Sunday night, which was a couple days prior to the opening of the media days. And um, they had a really big reveal off-site at, um, gosh, I think it was like an airport hangar. Um, I usually just get in the car, and they take me to an undisclosed location, and I'm, like, blindfolded, and I get there. No, it's not. <laughs> but, um, I, I also I heard that the that, that particular uh, hangar in which they had the reveal was a hop, skip, and a jump away from a Tesla facility. So wow. even the location of the Mach E's introduction was a little bit of a <laughs> some, jab. Some, some gentle needling. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, you know, and what's really, really hilarious is so um, I actually attended a press briefing on Friday before the reveal of the vehicle on Sunday, which was before the auto show. And um, we were doing drive loops. So I wasn't actually driving the Mach E, but I had the opportunity to sit in a vehicle while it was be dri- being driven and I, I have a feeling we uh, passed a certain facility. And uh. so, like, all day long, for, like, <laughs> two days, while they were doing these press briefings, you have these um, camouflaged, uh, all-new electric vehicles passing by this facility. <laughs> you know, you know that's interesting, too, because the Mach-E, if they hew pretty close to the prices that we've seen and have been quoted, will be priced very close to the transaction prices we're seeing for the Tesla Model 3. And this right. is a vehicle that right. isn't a sedan. It's a crossover. This is a vehicle that promises to be fun. Who knows? Maybe maybe Ford can be the model, the maker that actually chips away at the Model 3 success. Well, and, and so here's the interesting thing. Ford really um, hasn't extended any of its federal tax credits either because this is the first right. full oh, right. electric vehicle that uh, Ford has ever created. So, um, you know, they're going to be able to, um, you know, people are going to be eligible for that full federal, you know, $7,500 tax credit. For a long and, time. And, and Tes- yeah, and Tesla is no longer, um, you know, Tesla, people who want to buy, they are no longer eligible. Neither is, um, I think, uh, uh, Nissan, uh, um, I think, kind of hit the end of its road. And General Motors, I want to say, is closed. If Gen- they haven't already hit it. General Motors is done. Tesla is done. Nissan yeah. is close. Um, yeah. But Ford, yeah, they only had the uh, the C-Max and the yeah. uh, the uh, the Focus Electric. Those yeah. were really the only things there. And I think there was the plug-in Fusion for a while. Yeah, the C-Max right. wasn't a uh, wasn't pure electric. I think the, f- the no no, but there was a yeah. plug-in. Right. The the yeah. energy. Yep. Misspelled. And the Fusion Energy yeah. was also <laughs> plug-in. Yeah. And, right. You're, because those do count towards yeah. the, the credits. Yeah. Jill, I'm curious. Right. Uh, what were your uh, ride-along impressions of the the Maki? How did it feel from uh, a passenger seat? Um, yeah, so the, the back seat is where I was sitting, okay. you know, 4'11", and it <laughs> me in the smallest space possible. Um, but, uh, but no, I, I mean, it was, it was pretty interesting. And it, it, I have to say it's a little bit eerie because you're in this car that's fast, and there's very little, if you know, no sound. And um, which, I mean, anybody who's been in an electric car, it's like a little bit of a mental hurdle to get over. It's, it's right. disconcerting. Um, but, uh, you know, what they did is they kind of took us around the block and then we came back onto the airport property 
and they did a slalom course, um, and then they did like a fast, you know, zero to sixty acceleration. And I, I mean, it feels good. I, 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 you really don't get a true sense of it until you're actually driving. But it, I mean, it seems like it handled well. It, it did the the S curves of the of the slalom pretty well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the acceleration. I it was, you know, push you push you back in the seat fast. Right. So um, I, I can't wait to drive it. I think it's it's a fascinating vehicle. I know a lot of people have had a hard time getting over the fact that um, it's called a Mustang. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I, I mean, I, I think that people are going to have to get over that. It, it's, I don't know if you guys have seen it, but it, it's been going around here. I've been spawning a whole bunch of um, OK Boomer memes. Yeah. <laughs> I've I've seen I've seen some inter, uh, some sort of uh, doctored uh, images on the internet that show uh, the the iconic Ford Mustang logo, but like a portly horse. <laughs> uh, all right. Yeah. So, portly horse was my CB handle. Oh yeah. Yeah, a lot of people don't know that. Uh, but but it, but I mean it's it's interesting in a way because I don't think Ford would have gotten as much press as they've gotten. Had they called it anything else? I agree. That is exactly true. Yep. I, I'm also curious. So I, you, you had mentioned about the the eerie silence. Uh, I'm reading that they, uh, they, they, the Mach E will have three different driving modes called Whisper, mm-hmm. Engage, and and Unbridled. There's another wow. horse term yeah. there. Wow. Yeah. Uh, so did you did they cycle through those uh, when you were in the vehicle? And I, I, it's my understanding that the Unbridled mode has a piped-in sound that is somewhat engine-like. Uh, and that's something else we're seeing, too, these artificial sounds that are yeah. not necessary, but they are aimed at kind of giving an emotional ambiance to the vehicle. Right, yeah. So it was really interesting, because what they did during the, the deep dive briefing on Friday is we, we kind of went through seven different modules, and one of the modules was sound. And um, so while we were in the vehicle, it was only on unbridled mode, but um, they took us through, you know, the, the whisper um, and, and the engage mode uh, as well. So you could kind of hear the differences and, you know, with like headphones, like really mm-hmm. good headphones, you could really totally hear it. And whisper to me almost sounded like white noise. Like, you know, the huh. sound machine? Yeah. Um, yeah. It was like a shh. Right. You know. And then you had the um, the engage, which was um, the uh, it, it almost sounded like leaves rustling <laughs> in trees with mm. the wind. <laughs> but it was it was it was interesting. So then you get to the unbridled, and um, I, I I will say there's definitely a note of throaty engine, but it's kind of silent, and it's very to me it sounds very electronic. Um, so I don't think they were trying to mimic the sound of a V8 engine, which thank thank you that they didn't do yeah, that. Yeah, I agree. I, I think that would have been a little bit weird. That just would have been um, insulting. <laughs> yeah, it would have been insulting. Um, but 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 it, it, so there was a little bit of an engine motor, but it, it was kind of a, a little bit of an electric sound too. Now the weirdest sound, however, I have to say, is if you're standing outside of the vehicle and you hear it, because like because it's an electric vehicle, they actually do on the outside need to manufacture sound so yeah. that for pedestrian um, safety know, people, and such. Yeah, yeah. If, if somebody is like um, blind, you know, so that they can tell that this vehicle is coming, but um, it almost sounds like the Batmobile, like going off to save the city of Gotham. I mean, it's a very, it's a very interesting sound and. You know, during the the sound module, they actually said that they watched movies 
like Batman and and some of the um, futuristic shows where they had wow. cars. I think they they also mentioned like Blade Runner. Yeah. And, and so some of the sounds that they were trying to manufacture um, are from those futuristic movies. And and so, um, but I totally could hear the Batmobile. Uh, <laughs> and and it, um, it, it you know it, it made me chuckle um, a little bit. And and so I I don't know if that was actually their intended reaction, but. Um, I, I thought it was interesting. Huh. All right. What what else is going on? We've talked Maki. Yeah, we've we've talked Maki a lot. <laughs> what else you got? Maki out out the east. Um, yeah. So I mean, one of the other really interesting vehicles that they launched was also done off site, and that's the Land Rover Defender. And there's been a lot of buzz about that vehicle in general because of just the iconic nature of of the the Defender series and. Um, Land Rover has been talking about bringing this vehicle back for a really long time, and they kind of have this um, this three pronged strategy in terms of their design. And so you've got like the the Range Rover design, which is more luxurious and elegant, and then you have the Discovery, you know, in the middle, which is more um, versatile and um, then, you know, they have this third prong that they've been touting for, like, years now, it feels like, which is the rugged, capable Defender line. And so now, with the launch of this vehicle, bringing it back to the United States after a, what we we decided a 22-year hiatus, um, this is going to be the most capable Land Rover um, that they've built. People, and, people should uh, know, too, what this vehicle is. The Defender main yeah. name might not mean anything to people but this vehicle has a military heritage yeah. it's the vehicle yeah. you used to see in mutual of omaha yeah. uh, wild kingdom marlin yeah. yes marlin perkins yeah, yes. yeah. Uh, there's yeah this is the safari vehicle this yeah. is the classic can, off-road land rover yeah you can kind of think of it yeah. as land rovers uh, jeep equivalent to the jeep wrangler yeah you know very much was, so and, and those earlier ones were very much implement like you know boxy uh, uh-huh. I think the that Defender was des- the, the the last Defender was designed in the early '80s and was, did not receive any real updates through. And, and I think the heritage of that even went back further. But that early '80s to 1997 saw really no substantial changes in that time frame. So. No, super cool. Yeah, really expensive. Yeah. Yeah, and, and, and so, I, I mean, so I've seen it in person, and, and I have to say there's the one thing that struck me is it's actually a lot bigger than a Jeep Wrangler. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought it would be more similarly sized to, like, the two-door, four-door Wrangler, because so they'll have the Defender 110, which comes out first, and um, that'll be the four-door model, and then they have the Defender 90, um, which is the two-door model, which will come out. Um, I, th- I think the, the Defender 110 is slated to come out maybe in Q1, and then um, 90 is coming like this summer. And um, the, the vehicle is um, it, it's a lot larger than what I, I thought it would be. And, and in fact, the 110 will actually have an optional third row. Oh, wow. Um, and and it's, um, I think they said the wheelbase is um, like about four inches longer than Discovery. So, so I would say looking at it, that was my biggest surprise. I didn't expect it to be as big as what it is. Jill, an obvious question, and I'm sure it got asked, and I'm sure they said they don't comment on future product, but is there any word <laughs> on a convertible version? Uh, no, they don't comment on future product. Mm-hmm. Although they did, they did talk about um, the different roof styles uh-huh. that they will have, and I believe one of them will be like a canvas style. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, yeah. So not like more of an open air, but not convertible. Okay. Um, 
And, 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 and I think it would be more along the lines of what's that power roof that Jeep has that's like a $4,000 option where you press the button and like it the opens. The Sky Rider, the Sun Rider, yeah, something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. So I think I, in my head, that's kind of what I'm thinking it'll be rather than you like a full-on canvas top that you can like unbutton. Cool. Um, it'd just be more like a little pullback bit. Um, but, but yeah, no, they, so the, the, they, they've announced the pricing for the 110 model, which will base um, at about $50,000. And um, they're saying that the 90 will start around that price range as well when it comes out. They haven't really released any official um, uh, pricing. But um, I, I, it's an interesting vehicle. So um, they, they, it, it, debut, it makes it makes sense big screen debut in uh, the new James Bond film that's coming out, uh, The um, Was It Too Young to Die? And they actually had the version of that vehicle that they used in the, in the movie on the show floor, um, complete with mud splatter. I was just going to say, and, is that the one that was dirty? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and, and so it's, it's funny because they, they've kind of designed this vehicle to be multiple things to multiple people. So... Um, they have different packs that they, they're calling them um, that you can put on the, the vehicle to equip it. So, you know, like one pack will have, um, like, the, the, the roof mount that you can put stuff on the roof. Another pack will have, um, you know, like a utility set on the side, like with tools and things. Then they'll have, like, an urban pack for people who are only going to probably be driving it in a city. And... Um, it, it, it's it, so they're they're really trying to equip it for all the different kinds of people. Yeah, personalization might, is a big part of it. Yeah. Right? Okay, Joe, yeah. we, we are we are running. A, oh, go ahead. Oh, I was gonna say. I think they said there's about 170 different accessories that you can get. Yeah, for this of course there pretty, are. It's pretty interesting. <laughs> Smorgasbord. Yeah. <laughs> okay, we're running out of time here, but tell us uh, what else is okay. going on. Just some quick hits from the LA Auto Show. Uh, quick hits from the LA Auto Show. Um, I, I think to watch is the um, Toyota RAV4 Prime. It's an all-new yep, plug-in yep. hybrid from Toyota. Um, it's going to be the second fastest vehicle in its lineup next to the Supra. Can you believe <laughs> wow. that? Wow, wow. the RAV4. <laughs> um, but it'll have 40 miles of range. I think that'll be a really interesting vehicle for Chicago or any urban area. Yeah. And um, that'll be available this summer. Um, haven't announced pricing, but I think it'll be in the 30 to $40,000 range. Um, another interesting vehicle that was revealed here was the Kia Seltos. Yeah. And um, that's going to be between the um, uh, the Soul and the um, Sportage. Uh, it's built on, it, you know, if you're familiar with the um, Hyundai Kona, it's built on that platform. And um, so available all-wheel drive, you know, two different engines, um, price point under 22000 for okay. an all-wheel drive vehicle. Um, so another really interesting launch from them. Um, but just generally, the, you know, the, the, the LA Auto Show is pretty quiet this year. Um, but there's definitely some good eye candy. You know, I, I stopped by the Audi booth, um, and, you know, the, the R8 never gets old. Mm-hmm. Um, but they've got, uh, you know, the couple of e-tron vehicles, so a lot of electric vehicles um, on, the, on the floor, uh, which you would expect in L.A., which is a very green state or green, green area um, in a, a green state. Um, and, uh, just uh, lots of, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm always like a kid in a candy store at an auto show. I'm, as soon as I hang up with you, I'm walking back over to the floor, um, so that I can do another pass and take more pictures and kind of geek out a little bit more. Yesterday was like 
of business. And now I can go and actually be a human at, at the show and geek out a little bit. So cool. um, lots, of, lots of cool colors, lots of cool cars. Um, so, yeah. Well, Jill, thank you for checking in with us. How can we keep track of what you're up to? Um, yeah, you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. They search for my name, uh, Jill Simonello. Uh, so Jill, J-I-L-L. And then C-I-M as in Mary, I-N as in Nancy, I-L-L-O as in Oliver. And as we mentioned last week, I'm going to have to turn this into a jingle. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, the, the, probably the easier way to find me is Girl in the Trunk. Um, that's maybe another story for another time. Uh, I pose <laughs> in trunks as vehicles um, because I'm 1.5 cubic feet of cargo volume. Um, and uh, so I've, I've been checking out a couple of trunks here uh, in, in L.A., um, including the, the Bollinger. Uh, trunk, uh, which is uh, more of a frunk, I guess. Um, but but yeah, so that's that's how you can find me. Um, but search for me. Um, I'm on Twitter, uh, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. Uh, so check me out. All right, Jill. Thanks for checking in. We will talk to you next week. All right. Cool. Right. Thank you, guys. All right. We're going to take a break. When we get back, we're going to talk more about some stuff from the auto show. We're going to talk about what's going on at the blog, and we have a couple of other surprises as well. Stay tuned. Welcome back to the Consumer Guide Car Stuff Podcast. All right, we're back. This is the Consumer Guide Car Stuff Podcast. I am Tom Appel, publisher of Consumer Guide Automotive. Check us out at consumerguide.com or just check out our blog. You can get there by going to consumerguide.com. I am here with Damon Bell, senior editor of Consumer Guide. Damon, how's it going? Going good. Damon, how can people follow what you're up to? Uh, you can uh, follow me on Twitter. I'm at uh, Damon Bell Likes Cars. Doesn't love. Doesn't love. Yeah. Room for room for growth. Room, room for growth. That's right. <laughs> wanted, wanted to remain, some, re, remain somewhat level-headed about the whole thing. Yeah, I know. And I think yeah. that's that's completely reasonable uh, uh, way to go with that. <laughs> All right. So uh, we have, uh, this is episode four. We've done three quizzes. We got a winner for the first quiz, and then the, the subsequent two were bombs. Uh, this one's a bomb. Last week was a bomb, but I'm going to give this to you. So are they too hard? I don't know if they're too hard or mm. just too obscure. Okay. And I think that I need to be reeled in a little bit <laughs> because I'm not really sure daywoos are, are a topic uh, a topic that really generates interest in the general public. Mm. So anyway, the question was, in the late 80s, early 90s, uh, a Korean company named Daewoo attempted to sell cars here under its own brand name. Uh, what were the three cars and which one was a wagon? I'm asking you the question, Damon, because no one else answered it. Uh, I know two of them. I can't remember which the wagon was and what the third one was. So there was the Nubira. Yeah. Nubira. 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 Yeah. Um, and there was the Laganza. Laganza. Which always makes me think of, if you look at 70s magazines, there was like a men's clothing uh, brand <laughs> called Eleganza that had like gigantic, ridiculous, like cartoon. You didn't, you wouldn't have even imagined these things even existed, like wide lapel uh, leisure suits and bell bottoms and stuff like that. So that's that's, that's what I appropriate. that's what I always think of when I hear Laganza is Eleganza. So, but, so those are the oh, I, I know Nubira and I know Laganza. Is it Lanos? It was Lanos. Lanos. You got all three. All right. Yeah. So the Laganza that was the big car. That was mm -hmm. the mid-sized car. Was available only as a sedan. The Lanos was the compact car, was available as a sedan and a wagon. Okay. And the little Nubira subcompact was available as a two-door sedan 
and as a uh, sedan, uh, two-door, I'm sorry, two-door hatchback and a four-door sedan. If you see any of these on the road, you were the only person to spot one that day. <laughs> I'm so proud of myself for, for pulling that out, and that and a nickel yeah. will get me a cup of coffee. Yeah, there but is no more actually, useless Actually, a nickel doesn't even get you that. a cup of coffee anymore. But. All right. At this point, I think we should talk about what's going on in the blog. Yes. Uh, because there's a lot of L.A. Auto Show stuff there. There is. That's kind of the lion's share of what we've got up on the blog this week. So most of what uh, most of what we've talked about so far, you can read more about on the blog. Um yeah, we, we've got articles uh, on the Kia Seltos, uh, that Toyota RAV4 Prime plug-in hybrid that we talked about, the Mustang Mach-E, of course, um, the Land Rover Defender, of course. Uh, and there's a couple things that we didn't uh, touch on uh, that, are, that were at L.A. as well, and that is there is a new uh, plug-in hybrid version of the Lincoln Corsair called Grand Touring. And that's really interesting for a couple of reasons. Lincoln is... is marketing its plug-in hybrids not as electrified or electric but as premium these are top-of-the-line models right. with higher performance yeah which is really interesting so there is the aviator plug-in hybrid which they call the grand touring and yeah. now the corsair which has got significantly more horsepower than the regular gas engine aviator. yeah and yeah. much more torque and it's a higher performance vehicle right and if you want to go electric only for some of the distance well you can do that too yeah and and it's it's yeah it's funny that so we're seeing that uh, in the Corsair, and again, just to touch on that, that Toyota RAV4 hybrid, they are clearly pushing that as a premium performance vehicle, which is really kind of an evolution in what mainstream brands are doing with electric vehicles. They are pushing them more as emotional, desirable vehicles and not just, oh, this is a responsible, you know, uh, green vehicle that y y your conscience will will you know, you, you feel obligated to, to drive one. It's, it, it's passion is now part of it. And this force, this force is a question that I've asked before, and I think we've talked about it even on the show, which is, is it going to become increasingly more difficult for luxury manufacturers to, to distance themselves right. from mainstream vehicles? Right. If you have a RAV4, the most popular vehicle in America last year. If you have a RAV4 that does 60 and what is it, 5.8? What was it? Yeah, it's in the neighborhood of five. It's yeah. under six seconds. So you have sure. a RAV4 doing yeah. 60 and under six seconds. Yeah. Or what a Porsche 911 Turbo horsepower. did in the 80s. Right. <laughs> yeah. And the, and, and the Mustang Mach-E uh, is as fast, it, it properly uh, equipped, is as fast as certain Porsche 911s. Right. Uh, wrap your head around that. Right? Yeah, and uh, again, electrification is the great equalizer mm -hmm. because it brings a lot of horsepower to the mix. I didn't mean to cut you off. I yeah. did cut you off. <laughs> well, it's good. It's good discussion to have. So the the others, uh, yeah, we talked about Celtos. We yeah, the Porsche Taycan is up. Uh, it's not. It didn't debut at the show, but it's an interesting vehicle nonetheless. The Mazda CX-30, which is going to slot in between their subcompact CX-3 and their compact CX-5. Um, one thing we didn't talk about, another pure electric vehicle, although this one is just a concept, but we will be seeing uh, production versions of this line coming soon, and that's the Volkswagen ID Space Vision concept, which is, to my uh, delight, a very traditionally shaped wagon. Uh, pure a electric. good-looking wagon. Indeed, It's yeah. a good-looking. We've had some good comments on it. Yeah, uh, and I'm, they had a sedan version that was just called the Vision, and this ID is going to be Volkswagen's 
uh, fairly soon to arrive line of pure electric vehicles where they're making ID kind of a sub brand. Yeah, and I think all of them are going to ride on something that Volkswagen is calling its MEB architecture. Right. Yep, scalable and, electric architecture. Yeah, and I'm, I'm slightly cynical about, about global architectures. Uh-huh. I think it's something you tell stockholders, so it sounds like <laughs> you're doing something efficient. But there seems to be something to it because Volkswagen, I think it's called their MQB architecture, which is what the Golf is based on. But it's so scalable. Yeah, if you, you can also in, get an Atlas, yeah. a gigantic SUV off that same. So I don't know to what extent that's reality, but yeah. it, it seems to be a thing. Yeah. Uh, another concept, uh, a plug-in hybrid, not a pure electric, um, is the Hyundai Vision T, which is a uh, kind of compact SUV. As is typically the case, it's a pretty safe bet that this Hyundai Vision T uh, forecasts what the next generation Hyundai Tucson will look like. Yeah, so, almost certainly. Uh, and of course, the production version, as it almost always is, will be uh, a little less blue sky and a little less gee whiz. Uh, but the basic kind of design themes will will carry over as they they usually do. Um, in terms of production Hyundai's, uh, Hyundai rolled out uh, the 2020 uh, freshening of its Ionic line of green vehicles, I guess we can say, because there are hybrid, plug-in hybrid, and pure EV right. versions. And not surprisingly, the EV version gets uh, more range uh, this year, along with some other kind of updates. Um, on, the, on the opposite end of the spectrum, does this make you feel old? The Dodge Challenger is... We will, we'll, we will ignore the fact that they weren't in production for a lot of this time, but the Challenger is celebrating its 50th anniversary this for 2020 because it debuted for 1970. So surprise, surprise, Dodge is coming out with 50th anniversary special trim editions for that vehicle. And there's a lot of different versions of it and a lot of colors. Yeah. The thing about that is at, at this point, if you're buying a Challenger or Charger, and you don't buy some special edition version, you're probably <laughs> you have the cheating yourself. One? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is the non-special edition versions yeah. that are actually rare. <laughs> uh, and then one more, uh, the and this is a probably, I don't want to say run-of-the-mill, but one of the most conventional uh, new product debuts, and that's the 2020 Nissan Sentra, yeah. which is a straight-ahead, uh, you know, very conventional um, compact sedan, which in this day and age is as we see things pivot toward SUVs, less common. We're not seeing a lot of proliferation. So it is cool that Nissan is still, uh, you know, as buyers seem to be kind of moving away from that category, there are, there will still be compact car buyers, and Nissan has got something new for them. And the styling of the Sentra, looks, it looks great. It's a it nicely downsized version of the, the Altima and Maxima uh, look. So. The, the, the old Sentra... Uh, I thought looked weird, and I didn't like it. <laughs> so if I could just be frank. And, and I th- the exciting news here is that this is all new architecture, so there's a chance that it is a much better vehicle. Yeah, it's got independent rear suspension now, the, the, and they've talked about kind of the refinements that they've made to it. And based on the actually what we talked about last week, that new Nissan Versa, which is beneath the the Sentra, it's kind of straddles the line between subcompact and compact cars. If it's anything as nice as that Versa is for the money, and I expect that the Sentra will be similarly uh, value priced, it will be a pretty compelling car. Yeah, yeah. Because as we mentioned, the Versa is a great deal. Mm-hmm. So, 
All right. Uh, I'm sorry, did you have another car? Uh, that pretty, oh, uh, I should say, uh, that, that covers most of what we've got up on the blog uh, for the LA Auto Show, so check that stuff out. Uh, you and I both saw Ford versus Ferrari, yeah. of course, last week. Yeah. So, and we've got a, I was able to fire off a few quick questions uh, to Robert Nagel, uh, the stunt coordinator of that movie. So we've got a quick little article uh, about the cars of Ford versus Ferrari up on the, the site as well. Um, just a few uh, behind-the-scenes tidbits from Robert Nagel about the process of making that movie. You know what I learned from that movie? I learned a couple of things. I didn't know that there were two different race programs sponsored by Ford, one that was Ford Factory, one yeah. was Shelby. Yeah. I also didn't know that Carroll Shelby was so good-looking. <laughs> you didn't. He's a yeah. handsome guy. Yeah, yeah. dude looks just like Matt Damon. Yeah, yeah. I found that that a, a big part of the effect. I thought both uh, Matt Damon and Christian Bale did fantastic uh, acting jobs in portraying uh, Shelby and Ken Miles. I was struck that like a lot of uh, Damon's uh, uh, technique in conveying Carol Shelby swagger was just uh, very actively chewing gum yeah. through most of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm a stickler, as you know, I'm a, a anal retentive stickler for automotive detail, and that is a colossal task to try and replicate. Uh, a scene that, you know, auto racing from 50 years ago where the cars are all multi-million dollar collectibles. None of the racetracks or infrastructure or anything else is as it was back then. Um, and so much has changed. Uh, so they did a, a, an amazing job of kind of capturing the look and the feel of late uh, mid to late 60s racing and especially those kind of California tracks. Just the light and everything was, was gorgeous. My... Uh, I, I, of course, have to point out that there was a scene in the Shelby factory, which was fairly convincingly replicated. There was a, a Cobra Daytona coupe that I could see was clearly a replica because it had like 17 or 18 inch wheels, which didn't exist in the 60s. So that is like one of my niggling if, nitpicks. But I read an article that the uh, the uh, art director who was in charge of wrangling those vehicles was aware of it. And it was like, I got we got to go with it. When you're burning <laughs> millions of dollars in shooting budget, it is such a huge task and you just can't, uh, you know, cross every T and dot every I. And by and large, they did an incredible job of, of authentically replicating the, the era. If I had to pay a dollar to every person who noticed that, I could probably <laughs> still buy lunch. <laughs> Good catch, though. Yeah. I, I, can, I, I salute you. Yes. All right. I, I need your help with something now. Okay. This is my surprise for you. We did not talk about this beforehand. Uh, the Kia Seltos. Mm -hmm. I think this is a big deal because the, the Hyundai Kona on which it is based, loosely based, because the Kia Seltos rides on a longer wheelbase. A longer wheelbase, and it's. Uh, I, I, I just rode it the other day, and I've already forgotten. I think it's eight inches longer overall. Yeah. yeah. I think this is going to be a big deal. I'm yeah. not down with the name, and I'm trying to figure out what Seltos sounds like to me. So I've written three sentences. I've used Seltos in three sentences based on what I think Seltos sounds like, and you tell me which sounds most credible. Okay. Are you ready? But you're telling me that they're all made up by you. Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay, go ahead. Well, I had people help me. Uh, you needed help with that? No, no one helped me. <laughs> It'll be clear that no one helped me. All right. All right, ready? First comic book villain. This looks like the work of Seltos. <laughs> okay. Second, snack cracker. <laughs> <laughs> I like the Cool Ranch Seltos. <laughs> okay. 
And then finally, uh, prescription drug. Do not take Seltos if you are allergic to Seltos. Oh. I got to go with the prescription drug because yeah. I think it sounds like an antacid. Like, you know, be sure to take Seltos before you. Yeah. yeah. Talk to your doctor first. Right. Do not take Seltos. All right. That's but what the I have. Co- the comic book villain, that's a close runner up, I have to say. Yeah, I like that one. Yeah. Um, Seltos, by the way, spelled with a C, was Hercules' uh, Hercules's son. Oh, that could be the, you know, there's so much uh, calculus that goes into those names. That may be where it came from. Very loosely uh, based on Greek mythology. Right. So that's what I got. Okay. All right. So now can I turn the tables and uh, give you the question of the week? Yes. And this is, normally we kind of have this uh, open for discussion, but in this case, this is more directly a quiz for Tom, who has a pretty uh, finely tuned uh, Price is Right sense of of guessing the bottom line uh, as tested prices of the cars. And that's a a pastime that we kind of have where I come into Tom's office and quiz him on what he thinks. You know, I'll give him the vehicle and the option packages and the, the... Maybe even the base price, and he has to guess the the final price. And you do, you, you're very accurate most of the time because it can be quite a guessing game. But this time you're giving me the prices, and I have to guess the vehicle. Yeah, so All right. I, All right. these are three pickup trucks, Chevrolet pickup trucks that we've recently had through our test fleet. And I chose them uh, because they're all Chevrolets, and they do an interesting job of representing Chevrolet's pickup truck lineup. So I'll give you the three vehicles. Uh, We had in a a 2019 Chevrolet Colorado ZR2 Crew Cab Bison, and that is as decked out as you can get a Colorado because the ZR2 is kind of the Uber off-road, you know, trail-ready version, and then the Bison is a whole other layer on top of that where it's completely outfitted with uh, accessories from, oh, it's, I believe it's AEV, uh, an aftermarket company, uh, which I think AEV stands for American Expedition Vehicles. So it's got two bumpers, a special grill, kind of some beadlock wheels and, and, you know, the, uh, it's out. visible shocks. Exactly. The kind of way that you would, uh, that uh, an off-road enthusiast might outfit his ZR2 uh, if he was doing it himself. So there's that. Um, there's the 2019 Chevrolet Silverado four-wheel drive LT double cab. So not the crew cab, just the extended cab. That's interesting in that it's kind of a midline trim level, and it has the four-cylinder engine, a turbo four-cylinder and a four-size pickup, which you could not have fathomed even five, ten years ago. No, and that engine uh, on a much lesser scale is exactly stirring up the weird emotions that the, the Mach-E is yes, for Ford. Yes, because yeah, there's the, people who can't believe there's a wrap your head around Silverado. these things, yeah, the, the, the world has, the automotive world has changed so much. And then finally, uh, it's, this is a two, 2020 uh, because it was redesigned for 2020, and that's a Chevrolet Silverado 2500 four-wheel drive custom crew cab so that's their heavy duty uh pickup gigantic vehicle um but the custom trim level is basically the base model i I believe this vehicle still had like crank windows and it's got a 6.2 liter v8 uh or the 6.6. I'm sorry, you're right. The 6.6. Yeah. Six, six, yes. Yeah. It's for, a, for fans of General Motors engine displacements, yeah, six, there's six. a 6.6 6 liter V8. So uh, it's got nothing to do with the 1979 Trans Am, <laughs> but it sounds like it does. Yeah. Uh, so colossal engine, but other than that, a very base uh, uh, vehicle overall. So 
I've given you the three vehicles. Yes. And now I'm just going to give you prices, the right. three prices in ascending order. Um, and you've got to match the price to the vehicle. All right. So, uh, f- and they're all more, in, especially in this day and age, they're pretty much within spinning distance of each other. So $48,420. Okay. $49,365. Okay, these are way too close. Again, these are all bottom line <laughs> prices. I, I didn't say it was going to be easy. No, no, you didn't. Uh, and then uh, finally, $53,245. Okay, the 53245 is the heavy duty? Okay, mark that down. Oh, oh you're not going to tell me. Uh, I will. All right, yeah, the 48, I think, is going to be the four cylinder. And the 49, the bison. Uh, you are wrong on all three counts. Yay! <laughs> right. You didn't get a one. Thanks. Thanks for the build-up, by the way. <laughs> uh, so as it turns out, uh, as these the, the, the size of these pickup trucks and their uh, as-tested prices are in inverse order. Oh, okay. So, so the Bison is the most expensive of, of this trio. That's 53. 53245 The Silverado is in the middle, both in size. Or I'm sorry, yes, in the middle and both in size and price. That's 49365 And again, the biggest truck with the biggest engine, in this case, is the cheapest because it is a stripper model. So that is the 48420 I want to talk for just a little bit about that four-cylinder truck because... Uh, it's not getting the love that it should. Now, I did take it on a long trip. I did get it on the highway, and I didn't kill it with fuel economy. Mm-hmm. I did good for, this is, you know, a half-tone, full-size pickup right. with a lot of amenities. Good power from that turbo engine. It's a, it's a turbocharged 2.7-liter uh, four-cylinder engine. But I got 19.3, which, which doesn't sound awesome. Uh, it's good for a big pickup. It's not the killer mileage. And these diesel pickups that are coming out now. Right. Right. Chevy, GMC, Ford, and Ram all now have three liter diesels. Yeah. And Chevy's talking, what, what's the highway mileage on that now? Is it 35? Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure it's past 30. And I yeah. know that Ram Eco Diesel has been really enhanced uh, as well. So the numbers are, the EPA estimates at least are quite impressive on yeah. all those. All right. We have to get going pretty soon here, but let's talk about these real quick. All three of those vehicles, do we have reviews of these up already? Uh, none of those are up yet, but they will be in the near future. Okay, cool. Uh, real quick, Damon, talk about uh, how we can follow what you're up to. Um, yeah, again, my uh, you can find me on Twitter, and that's uh, Damon Bell Likes Cars. Um, and then, again, our, our Facebook page and, uh, and the blog site itself. Cool. Now, people are going to want to hang around next week. Uh, next week, we are going to reveal on air our 2020 Best Buy. So the whole show will be dedicated to yes. that. This is a big deal. We work very hard all year uh, to put together this list. And this will be an exclusive first look at those. The press release actually flies December 3rd. So we're getting an early look if you listen to the podcast. Other than that, uh, stick around. You can, if you've missed an episode, you can find them at ConsumerGuide.com. Just look for the podcast tab. My name is Tom Appel. I am the publisher of consumerguide.com you can follow me on twitter i am car underscore guy underscore tom on twitter this is the consumer guide car stuff podcast thanks for uh, checking us out